Welcome to day 176 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul here with Matt and Katie. Uh, we're in our third season together, which is the story of the prophets. Uh, we so love the prophets as a bridge uh, between the Old and the New Testament because the clarity of the need for a changed heart and for a Savior becomes ever more clear uh, as we look at the word of the prophets and the hopeless situation that Israel has found themselves in. Mm-hmm. So we're in the book of Jeremiah, and of course Jeremiah is one of the ones who brings us the fullness of the new covenant. And you'll even see some glimpses of it this week, uh, but even more glimpses as we uh, move toward the end and move into the latter chapters of Jeremiah. Uh, we ended on Friday talking about King Zedekiah, who was the last king of Judah. You'll remember that uh, Israel has separated into the two nations. The northern kingdom has already been defeated by the Assyrians and has been kind of dissipated into the surrounding you know, communities. Uh, Judah is under attack, and of course, uh, Jeremiah is prophesying the final attack of Nebuchadnezzar and the final exile of the people because they have failed to keep the covenant. Uh, when we come to uh, chapter 22, we back up about 20 years uh, to the time between Josiah, which was a king who led one of the most uh, beautiful national revivals you know, in Judah, but it was not, it was not very long. Um, both of his sons after him fell quickly away, which uh, led to the demise of the kingdom. So Jeremiah continues to critique the shepherds or continues to critique uh, the kings and the leaders of Judah for their responsibility in not leading the people in the way that God would have them lead. So we come to Jeremiah 22 in a week again and the prophets. Before we read, as always, we, have, we do stop and offer ourselves in a moment to the Lord. It's just a wonderful privilege, you know, to possess God's Word and to possess mm-hmm. it the way that we do in so many good translations and so many, you know, different study Bibles, so many different, you know, fine, you know, leather, you know, covers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to really treasure the Word is to realize what it is, that it's God's uh, Word that is breathed out, and it's the Holy Spirit who helps us to breathe it in, mm-hmm. uh, who takes the things that belong to God and makes them ours. And so we come into the presence of a living God to be transformed by his presence. So before we uh, read, Matt, you mind lifting us up with a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word and thank you that you um, delight in transforming us through it as we read. Um, so Father, as we fix our eyes on you through your word and um, recenter ourselves um, to you, God, would would you... Would you do just that? Would you transform us and shape us through your word? Would you help us to behold you, um, encourage us, convict us, comfort us? Father, whatever you see fit for each of us, would you, would you accomplish that? Uh, thank you that you um, speak to us. Thank you that you're with us. Uh, Father, we, we ask that you'd be with us as we read together. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Jeremiah 22. And this is what the Lord says. Go down to the palace of the king of Judah and proclaim this message there. Hear the word of the Lord to you, King of Judah, who sat on David's throne, you, your officials, and your people who come through these gates. This is what the Lord says, do what is just and is right. Rescue from the hand of the oppressor, the one who has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the foreigner or the fatherless or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place. For if you're careful to carry out these commands, and kings who sit on David's throne will come through the gates of this palace, riding in chariots and on horses, accompanied by their officials and their people. But if they do not obey these commands, declares the Lord, I swear by myself that this palace will become a ruin. For this is what the Lord says about the palace of the king of Judah. 
Though you are like Gilead to me, like the summit of Lebanon, I will surely make you like a wasteland, like a town's not inhabited. I will send destroyers against you, each man with his own weapons, and they will cut up your fine cedar beams and throw them into the fire. People from many nations will pass by this city, and they'll ask one another, Why has the Lord done such a thing to this great city? And the answer will be, Because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord their God, and have worshipped and served other gods. Do not weep for the dead king, or mourn for his loss. Rather, weep bitterly for him who is exiled, because he will never return or see his native land again. For this is what the Lord says about Shalom, son of Josiah, who succeeded his father as king of Judah, but has gone from this place. He will never return. He will die in the place where they have led him captive, and he will not see this land again. Would him who bids his palace by unrighteousness, his upper rooms by injustice, making his own people work for nothing, not paying them for their labor. He says, I will build myself a great palace with spacious upper rooms. So he makes large windows in it, panels it with cedar, and decorates it in red. Does it make you a king to have more and more cedar? Did not your father have food and drink? He did what was right and just, and just so all went well with him. He defended the cause of the poor and the needy, and all went well with him. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord? But your eyes and your heart are set on dishonest gain, on shedding of innocent blood, and on oppression and extortion. Therefore this is what the Lord says about Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah. They will not mourn for him. Alas, my brother, alas, my sister, they will not mourn for him. Alas, my master, alas, his splendor. He will have the burial of a donkey dragged away and thrown outside the gates of Jerusalem. Go up to Lebanon, cry out, let your voice be heard in Bashan, cry from Abiram, for all your allies are crushed. I warned you when you felt secure, but you said, I will not listen. This has been your way from your youth, you have not obeyed me. The wind will drive all your shepherds away, and your allies will go into exile. Then you'll be ashamed and disgraced because of all your wickedness. You who live in Lebanon, who are nestled in cedar buildings, how you will groan when pangs come upon you, pain like that of a woman in labor. Surely as I live, declares the Lord, even if you, Jehoiakim, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were a signet ring on my right hand, I would pull you off. I will deliver you into the hands of those who want to kill you, those you fear, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and the Babylonians. I will hurl you and your mother who gave you birth into another country where neither of you was born, and there you will both die. You'll never come back to the land you long to return to. Is this man Jehoiakim a despised broken pot, an object no one wants? Why will he and his children be hurled out, cast into a land they do not know? O land, 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 hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Record this man as if childless, a man who will not prosper in his lifetime, for none of his offspring will prosper. None will sit on the throne of David or rule anymore in Judah. Hmm. You have a very sad point in the biblical story because in Second Samuel, God promises David that he'll always have someone sit on the throne and there will be a a vacation of that throne or a vacating of that throne is the better word mm. you know until the time a king comes riding through Jerusalem on a donkey uh, and uh, is properly enthroned through the resurrection so there will be a break in the physical in the, in the, in the line of Davidic kings for quite a period and will be restored in the person of Christ which of course what tomorrow's reading is all about as well yeah, and we see, you know, Jeremiah's been along the way referring back to the covenant that God made with David, and, and we see even that here in uh, verse 2, you know, hear the word of the Lord, hear the word of the Lord to you, King of Judah, you who sit on David's throne. And it's a reminder, 
you know, that the, the God has made a covenant with David and, and from David's line would be a, a line of kings that would sit on the throne and yet this, you know, this throne looks nothing like David's throne. It's, he says, this is what the Lord says, do what is just and right, rescue from the hand of the oppressor, the one who's been robbed. You know, do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless, the widow, do not shed innocent blood in, in this place. It was supposed to be a, a throne where righteousness right. dwelled. Righteousness where, and you know, justice. Yeah, justice is executed, and yet we see that pattern throughout the history of Israel that it's far from that. And, and as the king goes, so goes the nation. Mm. You know, and, and wow. so we're seeing wicked kings. And, and, and we have to remind ourselves that you know, the biblical view of justice is uh, to care for the least of these, uh, those who are oppressed, those who are poor, those and those who are needy, those who can get lost, you know, in, in all of our systems. And, uh, and the mark of a great nation, of course, is the same thing as the, the mark of a great person, and that's how they care for those, mm. uh, you know, that can offer the least back to them. That's right. And, of course, Jesus tells a story about these are the people you ought to invite to your banquets, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, not those who can repay you or not those who enhance your reputation, but those who are lowly and those who are meek. And it's... It's always helpful to keep in mind that this was a gradual um, fall into this. It wasn't um, as stark as we might think, but it was. It just started with little acceptances of other idols and the nation's um, customs, and um, and it gradually turned into this huge rejection of the Lord. Um. Um, but also, just like this, this stark contrast between. Um, I mean, I'm just looking at verse 17, but your eyes, but your eyes and your heart are set only on dishonest gain, on shedding innocent blood and on oppression and extortion. And that's right after um, he's, he's saying he defended the cause of the poor and needy. So all went well. Um, So, and then of course we look ahead to Jesus and he does defend the cause of the poor and needy. He does all the things that, that none of the Kings, even, even the Kings that are called good Kings um, in God's word he did all the things that even they couldn't do um and didn't do and so just the contrast of just like the failure of um the king versus i mean the the righteous the only good and righteous Mm -hmm. king that we have so you talk about you know a gradual process and of course idolatry was a gradual process but uh, we have no indication that Israel ever had the generosity of heart that was described in deuteronomy Mm -hmm. you know that uh, there should be no poor among you uh, and, and so their idolatry was seen in greed early on, and then it becomes bigger and bigger. And of course, this is a process, you know, of God's you know forbearance and patience over, you know, not just you know months or days or years or decades, even you know hundreds of years, you know, are are in this process when God you know finally brings about this judgment. Uh, but you have to love, you know, you have to love the line fifteen. Does it make you a king to have more and more cedar? Mm. Uh, did not your father have food and drink? Uh, he did what was right and just, so all went well with him. He defended the cause of the poor and needy, and so all went well with him. Is this not what it means to know me, mm-hmm. you know, declares the Lord, uh, you know, defending the cause of the poor and, and the needy. And, uh, of course, you hear an echo of Paul where he says to the Thessalonians, if we have food and drink, we ought to be content with that. Yet what we want is more and more cedar. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that is, you know, where, uh, you know, where our you know, where our idolatries, you know, start just with the small things we desire for ourselves rather than a heart of compassion, yeah. you know, for those around us. Yeah, and I was even thinking about this 
you know, obviously we're not kings or we tend to read this and think, well, you know, I'm not a king. So, yeah. But this applies directly to us. I mean, this is we, we view this as almost what it means to be human. I actually do have more cedar in my house <laughs> now than when it was first built. Yeah, I would have got some more too. Cedar Park is yeah. Yes. Cedar Park. Yeah, but you I, know, I think like, mine's actually oak. But but anyway, <laughs> that's know, beside that, the point. That question of like even what it means to be human. Yeah. In some ways, we would most of us would answer that not saying the accumulation of stuff. Mm. But if we examine the way that we live our life, our we, we say yeah. it's the accumulation of stuff. So it's, really. it's easy to be distracted, you know, by those, you know, the, by those kinds of things, mm-hmm. and it's easy, you know, it's easy not to see that as, you know, materialism or greed. You know, it's because it's so. It's like you know, Katie is saying it's so incremental how those mm-hmm. things, you know, grab our heart. And of course, the only solution to that is, you know, not uh, to do direct battle on materialism but to uh, go to the proper you know to the proper place of worship to enter the sanctuary of the gaze, Lord gaze and to understand the, the surpassing value you know of Christ uh, mm-hmm. by which all of these things you know take their true value yeah. Katie why don't you close us with a word of prayer Father would we do just that and gaze on your beauty in your sanctuary Lord would you um, just continue to um, lead us to enter into your sanctuary to lead us um, to come before you honestly and um, Father thank you for your word thank you for these passages that, that reveal our our greedy hearts um, and that point us to the, the true and rightful king um, who to this day sits on his throne um, would we worship you in all your glory, God? And in doing so, would we be shaped by you um, and trans- transformed by your spirit? It's in Christ's precious and powerful and set-apart name, we pray. Amen. Amen.